tell, I guess. <laughs> All right, my friends. <clears throat> hey, happy Father's Day, dads. I get to say it now. Um, did everybody get some s'more packages that needs one? I don't know. Uh, hey, there's four left over, Joy, so grab in there. But you've got to give it to John. I don't understand what you're saying, but okay, I guess that's my cue to move on. <laughs> so guys, we are going, like Brian said, to have kind of a little bit of an abbreviated uh, moment in the word tonight. Wanted to make sure we had time to hear from Trevor. Thank you so much, Trevor, for sharing your testimony, brother. We also want to make sure we have time to, to share the Lord's Supper together. Um, and so I decided that what I was going to do is kind of maybe sort of an elongated uh, introduction to the Lord's Supper. You know, every time that we serve it, we like to tell you guys what it is we're doing when we take the supper together. Um, but we could expand on that. Usually we have to do it in a small frame of time. And so tonight we're going to try to do that in the next 10, 15 minutes. And we're going to look at a passage that sometimes isn't really considered when we think about the Lord's Supper. Um, but I think it's a really significant one for it. So I'm going to ask Tristan Eber if she would come up now. Um, for the reading of the scripture, and if all of you guys that are able to would stand for the reading of God's word, we're in John 6, 55 through 63. Thank you, Tristan, for reading tonight. This is the word of Christ. Thanks be to him. Let's pray. Father, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts as we consider this word in the next few moments, that all of it would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, we ask it and pray it in the precious name of Jesus Christ and in his name alone. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you for standing. So I, I told you already that I want to consider this passage through the lens of the Lord's Supper and how it teaches us about what happens when we take the supper together. But I have to say from the outset, and some of you guys might be thinking this already, um, this text is not technically an instruction or teaching about the Lord's Supper. And, and we know this because Jesus spoke about this and he said these words years before the Lord's Supper was even instituted. Remember, he served this meal for the first time and told us about it the night before he was betrayed and before his crucifixion. And so here, speaking in John 6, it anticipates the Lord's Supper by a little while and yet 
you're going to notice that some of the, the phrases, the words, uh, the way Jesus says things in John 6, very similar to what we hear when he institutes the Lord's Supper years later. And because of that, I think we can look back on this text and learn something valuable about what it is that happens when we take this meal together. Have you ever thought about that? What, what happens when we take communion together? Does anything happen? Does a, a, a miracle happen at this table? Have you ever thought about that? There's, generally speaking, two big camps that people have fallen in over the years, historically throughout the church, about what happens when we take the supper together. One of those camps is basically to say that nothing really happens. That what's going on here is a memorial, is a remembrance. And so we take bread, we drink juice or wine, and that's a, just an opportunity for us to remember what Jesus has done for us. And it's got good scriptural backing because Jesus said, you know, he serves the meal and he says, do this in remembrance of me. The same with the cup. When you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. So it's really leaning into that remembrance element that when I, when I take these elements, it gives me a chance to remember what Jesus has done for me. It's a memorial. But then... And the far other extreme, the other camp that people have generally fallen into, it's to think that everything happens in this meal when it's served. That when a pastor or priest prays over this bread and this juice or this wine, that it literally transforms into the body and blood of Christ. This is the Roman Catholic tradition, and, and even, uh, I'm a, a little fuzzy on this, but I believe some of the Eastern Orthodox traditions would also sort of go that same direction, and that these elements literally become the body and blood as we take them. And they have scriptural backing as well, because they will say, when Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, he says, this is my body, this is my blood. But as you might have picked up on as we read this text tonight, what Jesus says about eating his body and his blood doesn't really comfortably fit into either of those two camps. It's not just a memorial, just a remembrance, nor is it a, a physical eating of his body and blood. It's something that's like a third way, something that takes seriously feeding upon Christ but that feeding is done in faith and through the spirit that he gives. Theologians over the years have called this recognizing the real presence in Christ, of Christ in the supper, but seeing that it's a spiritual feeding that happens when we gather together at the table. Now, in this text, Jesus, <clears throat> well, he, uh, he makes a lot of people mad. <laughs> He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part of me. And as you can imagine, that really freaks a lot of people out. Perhaps it freaked you out when you heard Tristan read that from the scripture tonight. It's shocking. It's weird. It's kind of off-putting. And if you are feeling that, just imagine how a first century Jewish 
person that's listening to Jesus would have felt. They've spent their whole life uh, really rigidly following these dietary rules about the, the flesh of certain animals that they can eat or they can't eat or the fact that they're, they have to prepare meat so that there's no blood in it. And then they have Jesus showing up and saying, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. What? Not long before he said this, they were ready to make him king. He had just fed the multitudes, and they're so excited about him. They want to crown him right then and there. And Jesus decides that's the perfect opportunity for him to launch into his sermon about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He, uh, he needed to take my leadership course. <laughs> that's tongue-in-cheek, guys. I hope you know that. At least some of the folks up here realize that. Yeah, it's, it, it really is powerful when you think about the fact that Jesus on the, just the precipice of him being able to be crowned and be acclaimed and be just followed by the masses, that's the moment when he launches into this difficult, hard saying. So much so that it says that the vast majority of people left him after that. But... The text that we read tonight really hones in on something important because Jesus, before all those people take off, he realizes that they're grumbling. He realizes they're offended. He realizes that they are struggling with what he said. And he tells them, the reason you're struggling is you've not properly understood what I just told you. He said, you've heard me talk about eating my flesh and drinking my blood, and you think that this is a physical eating. It's not. Picking up in... Verse 62, Jesus says, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? Listen, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And the words that I've just spoken to you, they are spirit and life. The feeding that Jesus is talking about is a spiritual one. And he says even there, this talk about the ascension, he's saying even if you wanted to feed on my flesh physically or drink my blood, you couldn't. I'm ascending to the Father. That's where I'll be. That's where my body will be. You can't do it that way. But the thing that you can do, the thing that you must do is spiritually feed upon all I have to give you. All that I am offering you in grace to, to to take hold of it so completely that you're said to feed upon it. That, Jesus says, is what true life is. And when you feed upon him in that way, he said it right here in this text, you abide in him as he abides in you. You're united to him. That theme comes up all throughout the Gospel of John. Abide in me as I abide in you. Most people know it in the, the metaphor that's the most prominent in John 15 about the vine and the branches. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Be rooted in me. Be grafted into me so that connected to me you will bear much fruit. Because apart from me you can do nothing. And so whether he says here... Um, Oh, man, I've lost it in the text. Where is it? 
Oh, here it is. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And later Jesus will say, I am in the vine. You are the branches. Abide in me as I abide in you. All of it is pointing to him saying, to know me and to experience all that I have for you means to be united to me in faith. Union with Christ. Guys, I hope Come back to me if I've lost you already. Here's what I want you to hear, okay? When we talk about what it means to be a Christian, we usually fill it in with all these phrases, which are good, but they're incomplete. We'll say things like, well, being a Christian means following Jesus, or loving Jesus, or being obedient to Jesus. Yes, all of that is true, but the bedrock underneath all of that is the thing that's more primal than all of it, being united to Jesus. Being connected to him in such a way that all he has is now given to you because you're connected to him. His righteousness, his holiness, the fact that he is the beloved son of God the Father. Do you realize that the reason that God the Father looks at you and says, you are my beloved child, is because you are connected to Jesus. You're united to him. That is what this table is getting at. That is what all the images in the book of John is getting at. That underneath it all, what it means to be a Christian is one who is united to Christ so that all he has is now yours. So what happens when we take this meal together? We are proclaiming the most powerful symbol at our disposal for the fact that we are a people who are united to Christ. When you take this meal, you are doing something. I mean, what else can you possibly imagine that proclaims the fact that Christ dwells in you more than eating his body and drinking his blood shed for you? What other symbol would be more powerful than that? To say to yourself and to the world, Christ in me. Every time you take the Lord's Supper, this is union with Christ writ large. But more than that, come back to me now if I lost you. When you take the Lord's Supper, you are experiencing your union with Christ. You're not just proclaiming it, you're experiencing it in real time. When we serve this meal in a second, and when I partake of it as a believer, a follower of Jesus, I will be eating bread that remains bread. It's just bread. I bought it at Safeway an hour ago. I'm going to be eating that bread. But at the same time that I'm eating it, something spiritual will be happening. The Holy Spirit will be nourishing my soul with Christ. Say, Josh, you're connected to him. You're rooted in Jesus. And I'm showing you that feeding you that right now and when I take that that cup that little tiny cup and I drink it it will remain juice but as I physically drinking drink it something spiritual will be happening at the same time the Holy Spirit will be nourishing my soul with the blood of Christ who what was that was shed to atone for my sins and to redeem me 
The physical eating and drinking is mirrored by a a parallel spiritual feeding and drinking. Theologians will talk about this as the the parallel of 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 the Lord's Supper. That when I eat physically, there's a spiritual feeding that's happening through the Holy Spirit. And he is ministering to me and to you and anyone else that takes from this table as a believer in Jesus that we are united to Christ. We are connected to him and that all he has is now transmuted to us because we are so tightly knit together. That happens when you believe in him in faith and it's re-preached to your senses every time you take this meal. Jesus says that's what true food is. That's what true drink is. And the words I speak to you as troubling as they may be, as mysterious as they may be, they are spirit and life. That's what we do when we take this meal together today. And by God's grace, that's what we'll continue to do every time we celebrate this supper together. So let me pray for us. Well, actually, you know what? I think I'm going to head over to the table first, and I'll pray after I uh, get our, our setup done. So as you can imagine, if this is a powerful symbol and experience of your union with Christ, it's something that you as a believer in Jesus, committed to him in faith, baptized in his name, are invited to, to take and eat. And that's the truth, whether you feel like you are struggling today or whether you feel like you're living in victory. It's the truth, whether you feel that your, your faith is is weak and touting or if your faith is strong and resilient I hope that you would come and taste and eat and know that the Lord is good if you're not a believer in Jesus we are glad you're here you've heard us say it bunches of times hopefully from up here whenever we serve the Lord's Supper we are glad you are here and you are always welcome in this place but we'd ask that you not take this supper until you are ready to commit your life to Jesus and follow him with all you have. That's when union with him will be preached to you as it's meant to be in this supper. In just a second, I'm gonna ask uh, Brian, uh, any other ruling elders and their wives, I see Doug and Becky, if you guys could come forward and just uh, as I'm praying, be set up on these front pews so I know who's here to help me. We're gonna have three different stations set up. Uh, one here, one in the middle, one in the far with bread and juice. And we're going to ask that you would come forward and just grab those things and take them back to your seat and hold on to them. And then once everybody is served, we'll partake of the Lord's Supper together. Brian.